This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Our scripture this morning is from Micah 6, 1 through 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Chittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. My name is Erica, and I am the uh, pastor of discipleship and mission here at Community Covenant Church. And um, we are in sermon series right now. Um, about the 10 missional markers of a healthy church. And I believe you guys are going to have to tell me here where this is marker number five. So this is the halfway point, right? Um, and this is part of a larger process that we are in as a church um, called the vitality process, the vitality pathway. And part of what that is is helping us to be able to figure out as a church Where are we? Are we doing the things and being the people of God that um, that Scripture asks us to be? And the way that the vitality process kind of boils things down is two words. Our desire is to be healthy, pursuing Christ, and missional. Pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And so marker number five today is transforming communities through active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries. And the, um, the passage that we read is, um, out of the book of Micah. And, uh, not Micah, the, uh, the kid with the mystery box, but, um, the prophet Micah, who was, um, 
active during the same period of time in the Old Testament that Isaiah and Amos and several others. So it's all those guys, kind of the, the word, that the, the churchy word would be the minor prophets. Now, it doesn't mean that they didn't have anything major to say. It just means that they were, um, the, the books and the time in which they worked was a little bit smaller. And Micah's focus, as a lot of the minor prophets' focus was, was trying to call Israel back to what God originally had intended Israel to stand for. And I think sometimes we forget, we look through the minor prophets and we try to apply them in our lives personally. But as we're going through this vitality process, one of the things I like to remind myself of, and I want to remind you of this morning, is that we are doing this as a church. That this is a congregational process. This is not just an individual process. It's not just about me looking at my life or you looking at your life and thinking to myself, do I have these things in place? This is about us looking at our life together communally and saying, are we doing these things? Do we see this? And so when we look at the book of Micah, we have to look back, actually take some big steps back, and look at what was God's original call to the nation of Israel. And I think in the book of Deuteronomy, we get a really good idea of what exactly God was calling the nation of Israel to be. And that was his holy people set apart not to be kind of encapsulated or to be um, an exclusionary people, but actually to reflect the image of God to the nations surrounding them. In essence, the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy, in the original call of God, was for them to be examples of what, of who God was. And so part of what was happening in the book of Micah is that he's addressing what's a split kingdom now. So you have the nation of, you have the northern kingdom, and then you have, which is called Israel, and you have the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. And Jerusalem is in Judah. And he's standing before these people and he's saying to them, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? Have you forgotten the faithfulness of God? And in fact, the reason that the words are in quotes in the, um, in the passage is because he's actually working. Micah is working as the mouthpiece of God. And he's saying to them, don't you remember who I am? Why are you just going through the motions? What am I really asking you to do? And when I boil it right down, when you boil it right down, it is boiled down to Micah 6, 8. I'm asking you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what does that have to do with us? We are obviously not the nation of Israel. We are invited into the new covenant through Christ's blood. 
We are called to be followers and disciples of Christ. And sometimes we like to separate the ideas of compassion, mercy, and justice away from what it means to be a disciple. Uh, Lucas, can you pull that? There was one single thing that I wanted you to walk away from this morning with this, is this idea. Compassion, mercy, and justice are characteristics of a follower of Christ, just as they are characteristics of God. They are not intended to be episodic actions, but rather should be reflected a reflection of a life transformed and defined holistically by the gospel of Christ. Our lives are meant to be lived out in this big way. So part of what I want to be able to do this morning is to unpack, what does that mean? I've had lots of conversations with friends over the years, and, and, and people say, well, you know, you use that term, compassion, mercy, and justice. You see it all over the place. I mean, the news uses it, the media uses it, churches use it. Um, in fact, we've got the, the uh, Evangelical Covenant Church even has a department of compassion, mercy, and justice. But what does that really mean? So this morning I wanted to, like I said, I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking that. So let's start with the first term. What exactly is compassion? As defined by Webster's Dictionary, (laughs) compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, together with a desire to alleviate it. This is the thing that is used to pull at our heartstrings. It's the pictures that we see on TV of the malnourished child, of the child in a war-torn country, sobbing, filthy, bloody, The images that we see of a mother holding her dead child with the 1-800 number at the bottom of it, right? That says, help this person. And there is something innate in us because we are all created in the image of God that pulls us in, makes us want to do something to alleviate the suffering that we are witnessing. It's the thing that makes us hurt when we see, when we pass someone on the road that's homeless or is obviously suffering. It's something innate that God has given all of us. I believe that all humanity has this. This is not a unique thing that only Christ followers have. But it is something that draws us into the work of God. I think one of the best examples that I can think of when we look at Jesus' life and you go through scripture and God In fact, many of you who've probably been through Awana or through um, done scripture memory know that passage. The Lord is compassionate 
slow to anger, and abounding in love. When we look at Jesus' life, one of the ways that we see compassion played out in his life is where you have the stories of where he's got the crowd of 4,000 the crowd of 5,000. And he looks at them and, he's, and he turns to his disciples and he says, They're hungry. Really super basic need. They've been sitting here for days. They've been listening. They haven't moved. They've been enraptured in what I'm saying. And they're wearing out and they're hungry. Feed them. The heart of Christ was moved to compassion by just seeing the basic human need. Somebody's hungry. These people are hungry. Feed them. Starting in October, we're going to... um, be doing a, uh, a study. We're going to start a study on Wednesday night. This is, you guys can take this as my little infomercial, okay? The little break here. We're going to be doing a study on a book called When Helping Hurts. How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. Because here's the reality of it. Compassion pulls us in. But a lot of times, compassion isn't enough. We get tired, right, of giving and giving and giving and giving. And we get to the place where it's like this group wants my money and this group wants my volunteer time and this group needs my help and this person is going to, what's going to happen if I don't? What if I'm the last person on the ledge with this individual? And sometimes what that does to us is it causes us to um, become prideful about our ability to help somebody. And so the idea of how is it that we are able to help to come alongside people in a way that is both good for them and good for us. So that will be Wednesday nights. Um, so you guys will have to decide whether or not you want to hang out with Pastor Todd on Wednesday nights, whether you want to hang out with me. Um, I will be taking notes of who chooses Pastor Todd, by the way. So, Because we're going to talk about justice in a minute. <laughs> but let's, let's look at the next thing. Because what compassion does, like I said, is compassion hooks us in. But mercy... Again, this is the Webster's definition of mercy. (laughs) Kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. Or compassion, kindness, or forgiveness shown, especially when some, to someone over whom a person has power. I believe that human beings all, because we are created in the image of God, we all have the capacity for mercy. The big difference for us as followers of Christ is the mercy that we have received from Christ, from the sacrifice that God made for us through the cross, is what empowers us to be able to act mercifully towards others. 
Compassion is what pulls us in. Mercy is the action of being able to take a place where we haven't been empowered because we've been forgiven. Sometimes it's just as simple as we've been given material resources that someone else doesn't have. And so I'm able to show mercy by writing a check in response to that 1-800 number. Or I'm able to sponsor a child. Or I'm able to give somebody something. A great example of that is, is in the parable of the, unfaith, of the ungrateful servant. And I think that's a great picture of both mercy and justice. Because what happens in that parable is that Jesus is talking about someone who goes to a king. And the servant owes money. And the king who has the power, because he's the king, right? Is able to apply mercy. And say to him, I'm going to forgive you, even though you owe me and you will never be able to pay me back. It's done. It's taken care of. Now the piece of that, and I'll follow that story in just a minute. The piece of that that we need to remember is that that's what's been done for us. We didn't do that for ourselves. We cannot do that for ourselves. It is the gift of God. But mercy draws us into a place where we hit a collision. We are on a collision course with injustice. Mercy without justice degenerates into dependency and entitlements. In spiritual terms, cheap grace. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, because I know that it's going to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Right? I just get it for free. There are a lot of ways in our society that we hear that. Preserving the power of the giver over the recipient. Mercy only keeps us in that place over and over. Justice without mercy is cold and impersonal. More concerned about what is right and wrong than about the relationship. So let's go back to the parable of the unfaithful, of the unmerciful servant. So he gets great mercy from the king. He give, forgives him his debt. And what does the servant go out and do? He finds the guy that owes him way less. And he shakes him down. And he says to him, you owe me money and you better pay me back. Justice without mercy is cold and impersonal. I don't care about you. I don't care what your circumstances are. This is the, this is the right thing. You owe me. You need to pay me back. I don't, no excuses. How many times when we have hit mercy over and pushed it, mercy, given mercy over and over and over again, do we get to this place? 
Anybody? Am I the only one? We want justice, right? So how do we get justice? Ladies and gentlemen, the Justice League. (laughs) Um, I was talking to Pastor Todd, and I said, "You know, that's this is like a big. This is a. This feels like a big, heavy sermon. This feels like a big, heavy thing. This is something I'm super passionate about. So I feel like I needed to add a little levity into this here. Um, For those of you who don't know who the Justice League is, shame. Um, There is prayer available in the back for you." Um, but part of why I, I, I wanted to show this is because um, our idea of justice is shaped by a lot of different things. Our culture, our society, um, media shapes what our idea of justice is. We like to think of justice as being something super black and white, right? Truth, justice in the American way. The power pose, right? With the cape. Um, I need a cape. (laughs) We like to think of that very, very clearly. But what we're working with here as followers of Jesus is we are talking about biblical justice. Can you? Biblical justice is the pursuit of the shalom of God for the world and for humanity. Shalom is that is the Hebrew word for peace. It's the Hebrew word for reconciliation and perfection and that moment of just that ah there it is. The Lord intends for our acts of mercy to draw us in to the injustices in the world so that we as his believers, as his followers, as his church can apply justice, can work to make things right in this world. Let's look at some of the ways that scripture illustrates that. Zechariah 7.10 says, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot plot evil against each other. How do we live together? Jeremiah says, This is what the Lord says, Do what is just and right. Rescue the hand from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do not do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. And the last slide. This was Jesus's big debut moment, as he stood up in front of his hometown and took the scroll, the Isaiah scroll, 
And he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know about you, but I see the perfect mix of compassion and mercy and justice in that passage. The perfect mix that came together at the center of the cross. The place where the Lord said, where the Father said, you deserve punishment, but instead I will give you mercy. Justice and mercy came together. So as we walk forward as a congregation, as we walk forward as a church, the challenge for us is how is it that we are living these things out? How are we living compassionate, merciful, and just lives? How are we responding to the needs of those in our community with not just giving them something, but also saying to them, and things need to change. How are we being called into a place where we can be instruments of that change? By only living our faith out within these walls, we miss that. The marker is transforming communities through acts of compassion, mercy, and justice. Which means we actually have to be in our community. We actually have to be interacting with people that are not like us. We actually have to be in places where we look around sometimes and we think, how did I get here? And what am I doing here? My prayer for you this morning is that as we begin this journey, and I really do think that we are just beginning this journey, that the Spirit of God stirs in your heart. Stirs to invite you to find ways in which you can become a transforming agent within your own community. Finding ways in which you can connect with the ministry that God is already doing. He's already on the move. That was obvious last week when Luda shared. But he invites us to be a part of that. So would you please pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that it is in and through your blood and your sacrifice, Lord, that mercy and justice 
were given to us in perfect measure. And I pray, Lord, this morning that your spirit, Lord, would remind us that we are called to live lives that are marked by your compassion and your mercy and your justice. Lord, that we would learn what it means to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.